following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. As yesterday was halfway to Christmas Day, I thought it appropriate to use an illustration from a Christmas carol to begin this sermon. Probably most of you are familiar with A Christmas Story, either either read the book by Charles Dickens or seen some movie about it. At the beginning, we're introduced to Ebenezer Scrooge. Charles Dickens describes him as a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And those are the nice words. <laughs> and he comes in, uh, and, and he comes into the office, uh, and uh, w- his first interaction, really his first significant a- interaction with others, is when he's with his his employee Bob Cratchit. <laughs> and Bob is excited because uh, it's going to be Christmas the next day, and he's going to be able to spend it with his family. And um, he wants he wants the day off. And uh, Scrooge is not happy about this. <coughs> he believes uh, at a, numerous times throughout the book he hears Christmas. He, his response is, bah, humbug. That's what his thoughts are about Christmas. And he thinks that uh, one day a year off where, uh, with pay is just like the equivalent of somebody stealing from him. <coughs> and Dickens introduces... <coughs> continues to show Ebenezer Scrooge's life as um, just a very sad, sad life. And we watch and uh, we read and we watch uh, Scrooge go home from that encounter with Bob Cratchit, goes home, gets ready for bed, and then up to that point of where he meets the first ghost All we know about him is that he is a miserable, bitter, friendless, joyless, hopeless soul. The result of insatiable greediness. Cause and effect. (coughs) The agency that connects one process, the cause, with another, the effect. Where the first is understood to be partly responsible for the second. And the second is dependent on the first. So to apply the idea of cause and effect to a Christmas story, Scrooge's consuming selfishness, the cause, is at least partly responsible for the fact that he is a miserable, bitter old man. The effect. Cause and effect can be negative, as we have seen here, but it also can be very positive. As we transition to the teaching for today, I'd like to mention the cause and effect from last week's text. The cause, wise. Be subject to your husbands. Be respectful and pure. Adorn yourself with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. 
So the effect will be a husband who is persuaded to obey the word and the ways of the Lord. <clears throat> Last week's focus was Peter's admonishment towards wives. And this week he turns his words towards the husband's in another cause and effect text. I would suggest that it's probably best for the same person to preach one through six and then seven. Because there are lots of different takes for First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Um, fortunately, Sean sent me his notes and uh, I completely concur with Sean. Uh, I was just mentioning earlier uh, to Sean's wife that it's likely that you preach a sermon like this and it's almost impossible for everyone to go away really pumped up, really excited about what they've just heard. So you can be praying along with me in your spirit that the Lord will speak and if we are all in open to what he has for us, and if I am speaking what he has, and your ears are, are open to his truth, <coughs> that you will all go away giving a thumbs up to something that you've learned, some good thing. <coughs> all right, so to the text. You're set up here. All right. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I tried and tried to find a translation of this verse which read like this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. But I couldn't. And I must conclude then that this is a good thing. That Peter used these words intentionally to accurately account for the Spirit's leading as he wrote. <clears throat> if there was a woman, say, in the United States, who had only recently become a Christian and had never read through 1 Peter before. I imagine her reading verses 1 through 6. It might be difficult for her. But then she comes, but understanding the patterns of the world, the politically correct things to say, the fact of the matter is, the Bible isn't relevant to most people. So I can imagine her reading that and thinking, okay, all right, I'm going to keep going here. And then she comes to verse 7 and she's like, okay, now Peter's going to lay into the husbands. And then she reads the verse and it is very likely her response could be, wait, what? That's, that's his admonition to the husband? To treat his wife like a weaker vessel? Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to put... I mentioned cause and, and effect earlier. I'm going to put that part of the sermon aside for just a moment. And I'd like to deal with this part of the verse first. 
Maybe we'll all get on the same page. In my notes, I put a little smiley face. And then we'll move on from there. (coughs) So what's Peter saying here? (coughs) Ask ask any one of a hundred theologians, you'll probably get at least a slightly different answer. That's all right. He uses the term weaker vessel, which very likely, it's likely that it's referring to something like a clay pot. But one which is finer, it's more delicate, perhaps easier to break than the heavier, thicker, more sturdy pots. The use of the term vessel is in no way derogatory towards women, as the same word is used in other verses to describe men. It is appropriate to consider, (coughs) it is appropriate to consider He is referring at least in part to a wife being physically weaker than her husband. But would that make this a sexist comment? A demeaning thing to say? If so, then so is every single study I found dealing with the physical strength of the average male and female worldwide. In scientific terms, women are physically built so that they generally carry two-thirds as much muscle mass as men and generally produce about half to two-thirds the amount of total strength and applied force that the average man produces. (coughs) In Peter's time, women would almost never have had jobs which were more physically demanding, such as masonry, fishing, or carpentry. So I looked up the equivalent of those jobs in today's world. Trade workers such as plumbers, electricians, drywallers, concrete pourers, commercial constructions, and even those who work on fishing boats are comprised of over 96% males. (coughs) Okay, so if Peter was referring to differences in physical strength, evidence clearly supports this. But what if... As many theologians have suggested, his statement also reflects, in part, a thought that women are emotionally weaker or, said differently, emotionally more sensitive. Again, more research and again overwhelming evidence that the brains of women and men are physiologically different in many ways. The size of the brain, the connections, the parts of the brain used to perform different tasks are generally different between men and women and result in different responses. Let me just mention three of many taken word for word from research supported by Rosetta Stone. (coughs) First, emotions. Women typically have a larger limbic system than men, which makes them more in touch and expressive with their emotions. Women are usually more empathic and comprehensive in thinking, while men focus on exact issues and disregard impertinent information. Men have a difficult time understanding emotions not explicitly verbalized, but can think more logically, while women have a more holistic view of thinking and understanding, but their emotions are more likely to influence their decisions. (coughs) And this actually, uh, after a study done on a thousand different brains, Um, of men and women pain women tend to perceive pain more intensely than men their amygdala 
amygdala, sorry, the amygdala is the brain area activated when pain is felt. The right amygdala is activated for men and the left amygdala is activated for women. The right amygdala has more connections with external functions, while the left amygdala has more connection with internal functions. And last, risk and reward. Men have a brain wired for risk-taking more than women. Male brains get a bigger burst of endorphins, sensation of pleasure, when faced with a risky or challenging situation. And the bigger the reward is, the more likely a man will take that risk. That's played itself out with one of my sons, that's for sure. (laughs) Now, this is a sermon. This is not a science class. I will stop there. But I felt it necessary to establish that Peter is stating something not intended to make women seem lesser or second class, but rather to serve as a reminder to husbands that women need to be treated with honor and certainly treated differently than the culture dictates. And that culture dictated. I would like to mention one final possible reason for Peter including the phrase weaker vessel. And that has to do with his admonition to wives six verses earlier to submit to their husbands. Many theologians agree that wives, in choosing to submit to their husbands, are necessarily placing themselves in a more vulnerable or a weaker position. And that husbands should never, ever take advantage of this. The fact of the matter is, when dealing with issues of weakness, of submission, or equality, we can trust the word of God to give us excellent and trustworthy instruction, even as it seems contrary to what the world offers as advice and counsel. In regard to status... Jesus himself did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus submitted himself to his father and gave himself up to please the father and to save us. And he calls us to follow his example, to sacrifice, to serve, to humble ourselves, to consider others as more important than ourselves. Because of this, I can easily accept a pair a biblical paradox which would suggest it is a high calling for a woman to be a weaker vessel. I don't care that much about terms such as complementarian or egalitarian. Most of the time, we don't even understand the definitions of these kind of words and certainly don't understand what others think they mean. I hear people throw phrases like this around and it reminds me of the Princess Bride. (laughs) Where Vizzini over and over again says of something he has just seen, inconceivable. That's inconceivable. Finally, Inigo Montoya says to him, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Just as I believe the three persons of the Trinity have different roles while being equal, I believe there are roles assigned to us for our good. Roles as children, parents, workers, men, women, husbands, wives, members of the church. The Bible has many significant, compelling, arguable reasons for both the presence and the necessity for different roles within the body. While never 
ever implying that these roles make someone superior over another. But there are deeper truths which govern these roles. And that's what I'm mostly concerned about. Because it is through obedience to those truths which will allow us to effectively do all God has called us to do. To be what God has called us to be. (coughs) All right. So let's unpack the rest of this passage. Starting with the word likewise. (coughs) The word likewise could also mean similarly. Could also mean or in the same way. This is a small linking word, and I think sometimes we overlook the the small linking words as if they're not important, but they are significantly important. (coughs) And it is important for our wholeness of understanding for this passage. What is the common foundational thread through these verses, which likewise helps us to connect to? I would suggest the answer is found beginning in chapter 2.13 and flows until 3.7. And you know, if you have been here, either read through First Peter before, been here in the past weeks, there's a, a talk about submission to government, submission to those in authority over us, masters. And then last week, wives, submission to their husbands. There is a... But there is something else flowing through all of that. And I believe it's this. Be subject for the Lord's sake. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. (coughs) I'm sure, yes. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is what likewise is referring to. This is applicable to all who claim Jesus as Savior, husbands, wives, those who are single, and also to children. (coughs) Likewise what? Likewise husbands... Live So keeping in mind what I just read, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. I love that. Husbands, you are called to really try and understand who your wife is. To know her. To respond appropriately and lovingly to her uniquenesses. It's not easy though sometimes. Because it takes. Just as it's not easy for the wife to do that with us. It is not easy. It takes a humbling of ourselves. It takes being teachable. It takes being patient. And it takes time. 
was looking through this and thought of a joke <laughs> about a man. And if you've heard this before, don't stop me. His wife is on her way to travel the world with some friends. Been planning for this trip a long time. And uh, husband has all his instructions for when she's gone. So she leaves. After a week, she calls him. Hey, honey, how you doing? Oh, great. How's it going? Oh, we're having a blast. Great. Okay. Um, honey, anything I should know about? Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry to tell you, but the cat died. Well, he doesn't hear much on the other end of the phone, and except then some sniffling and some crying. And then she says, Honey, I don't know why you had to just break it like that. You know I'm going to be gone for a month. You could have said today, The cat's on the roof. Then maybe next week, Wow, while the cat was on the roof, it rained and the cat got sick. Not doing very well. And then maybe the week before I come home, so sorry, honey, the cat died. But no, you just have to come right out and say, the cat died. So the husband, he wants, to, he wants to love his wife. He wants to be an understanding husband. So he says, okay, honey, I, I'm so sorry. They continue to talk for a little bit. and how, How's everything else? And she says, so how's my mother? And he says... She's on the roof. He's just trying to be a good husband. Uh, You get my point. Husbands, you know what it looks like to try and know your wife and and to understand her. To really, really know this beautiful, unique person who God has created in his image. You know what that's like. You guys got to choose to take the time and make the effort to understand her. All right. So the next part. Showing honor to them. Why did, Pe- why did Peter even have to write these words? Well, history has shown, and every day in the news here shows, that men have not and are not treating their wives in a way which honors them and pleases the Lord. Wouldn't it be awesome if Peter didn't have to write that? But he did. Because he saw what was going on. Men have been historically harsh, mean, and abusive to their wives. (laughs) This is unequivocally wrong and sinful. And no matter how difficult it might be to get to the bottom of the phrase, weaker vessel, nobody can misunderstand biblically what it means for a husband to show honor to his wife. To treat her as a treasure of great worth and of great value. This is about gentleness and kindness 
and encouragement about putting his needs behind himself and putting her needs before his own. About loving her the way Jesus has loved all of us and never, ever, ever to take advantage of the fact that she might be weaker physically or has a weaker social status or has submitted herself and in that way making herself weaker. (laughs) Again, you guys know what I'm talking about. And I think Peter's reminding and I'm reminding, we just need to do the right thing. (laughs) We need to honor our wives. And we need to encourage our, our fellow brothers to honor their wives. <clears throat> All right. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Just in case you didn't know or if you forgot. They are equal to you. And they are created in the image of God. And don't you forget that. And they are no Lesser than you. And whatever Jesus has done for you to shed his grace and mercy and love on you as a sinner, he has done it for your wife and you guys come together before the throne as equals. And don't look at it any other way. <coughs> and then to so that. Okay. So this brings me back to my cause and effect. <coughs> So that what? So that your prayers may not be hindered. I think we can easily brush by these six words. But they are deeply important for the husband to understand. There are many instances of prayer being hindered in the Bible. There are many instances of God turning his face away from those who pray to him closing his ears and hiding his eyes to those who cry out to him. And why does he do that? The reasons are many. Some people are proud. And God says, I do not hear your prayers. Some people do not care for the poor. God says, I'm not listening to what you ask for. Some are violent and have blood on their hands. God says, I do not want you to be like that. And until you change, I will not listen to your prayers. Some turn from the truth. Some are unfaithful in marriage. And of course, some don't treat their wives with honor. All of these will cause the effect of hindered prayer. And what then is the result of hindered prayers? Well, prayer is our primary means of communicating with our Creator, of knowing and understanding Him better. It is our means of confession, forgiveness, and healing. It is our avenue of petition for all good things the Father has for us, for all of life's blessings and best things. David cried out, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. It is a terrible thing for this relationship with God to be hindered. It changes everything for us. 
if our prayers are muted because of our sinful actions. <clears throat> Cause and effect. This was a very serious thing for Peter to say to husbands. And it must be considered that way. What we do matters. But the beautiful thing is this. The opposite must also be true. If a husband is walking in the ways of the Lord and treating his wife as he should, his prayers will be unhindered. They will flow without delay and will be heard by God. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. <coughs> Cause and effect. I've got a short, not story, as I head into my closing. <coughs> Uh, two weeks ago, I was doing a uh, participating in a vacation Bible school at our home church in Colorado, <coughs> and uh, my they wanted us. The, the theme was go, and I spoke to 150 kids, five different groups, uh, but I included in my talk uh, my friends who were uh, home at the same time and who also live here in Thailand. Perhaps uh, some of you know Chris and Kelly Cole. <coughs> Chris works at Grace. Um, and Chris has been my best friend since ninth grade. So Chris and Kelly and I all had the opportunity to talk to these kids, one, after, one group after another, about going. And Chris got up and talked about how at the age of 12... He believed that the Lord was calling him to go overseas as a missionary. I got up and said in my freshman year of college, I had a speaker come and just gave a passionate um, plea, a biblical plea to why we should consider doing whatever God asked us to do. And I decided then and there that no matter what, I would just do what the Lord wanted me to do, no matter where, no matter what. Then Kelly got up. And Kelly said, my call was a little different than Mike and Chris's. We were married. We had a couple children. And I had zero desire to go somewhere else. Not only did I not have a desire, I didn't want to go anywhere else. <coughs> She said it was all fine and good until one day Chris remembered this promise he made when he was 12 to God. She said, so here I am, 30 years old, couple children. Life's great. My husband has a good job. We got a house. My husband comes up to me and says, honey, let me tell you a story about when I was 12. And she said she didn't want to hear it. She broke down and she said, I don't want to talk about this. Now, Chris, at that point, had many options. And you know what he chose to do? He chose to honor his wife and say, OK, 
For two years, Kelly would not talk about this issue. After two years, she started to wonder whether she was acting in obedience. And then a two more years of struggle. Till one day she was at our church, talking with one of our pastors, telling her, just kind of in passing, kind of telling her struggle. And all the while, Chris is just loving her and honoring her and treating her well and trying to know her better. And one day, this conversation between Kelly and one of the pastors and Kelly's saying her struggle and all he said to her was, well, you know, I've never said this to anyone really before, but it just reminds me of when Sarah decided to follow Abraham, submit to Abraham. She said just that one sentence changed the entirety of her thinking. And she knew that ultimately she was submitting to God. But I just love that she says, and if she were standing here, because I wrote to them and asked if I could tell this story. (coughs) I submitted to my husband because I loved him and because I had seen him submit his own desires to the Lord and love me and honor me and submit all of his own desires. He submitted those. To love me. And she said, I felt the Lord strongly saying, it's time for you just to, even though you don't understand it, even though it's going to be tough, you need to just say, okay, Chris, I'm going to do what you feel the Lord is calling you to do. And I'm with you. I'm with you heart and soul. Now it was 18 years ago. They went to Turkey. Were kicked out. (laughs) Then came to Thailand and been here 13 years. And she can't tell that story with really weeping at God's work in her heart. But I, I see that as a beautiful illustration of verses 1 through 7. The way God, the way Peter, I think, was hoping it would look like. And um, so I tell you that story and I just pray that it's an edifying thing for you as well. <coughs> oh. What about Scrooge? Remember how we left him? Miserable, lonely old man? Well, you know the rest of the story. He's encountered by the three spirits of Christmas, past, present, and future. He understands what his destiny is. And he repents. And he turns. And he changes. And it says this near the end of the story. His own heart laughed. And that was quite enough for him. Because he never laughed. It was always said of him from that point on that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. I want to ask you, is there anything about Scrooge's story 
about hearing about a husband who doesn't treat his wife well. Perhaps hearing stories about a wife who is struggling with submission to the Lord in whatever area. I want to challenge you today to affirm your commitment to your Creator. I want to challenge you today to live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. I want to challenge you today to honor everyone. I want to challenge you today to be subject for the Lord's sake, for his honor, for his glory. And I close by saying what Tiny Tim says at the end of A Christmas Carol, which is appropriate for the end of that book and it's appropriate for us today. God bless us, everyone. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.